You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Hello, everybody out there. This is Ryan with Business Stories, and I am very excited to bring on board Aubrey Codier. Yes. <laughs> uh, I need to make sure I pronounce that right. Nailed it. Uh, she is the director of strategic accounts with C squared social. Uh, Aubrey, thanks for being here. It's, it's really great. Uh, how are you? Yeah, my pleasure. I'm, I'm doing well. It's a little, little rainy and Boise today, but, um, doing good otherwise. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. It's always good to talk to people. Um, so let's talk about you, uh, a little bit about you and your background in this industry and what you're doing with C-squared social. Yeah, sure. So I kind of have an interesting start, I guess, to the franchise space. Um, my original company that I worked with was called Zorical Profiles. And so what we did was we helped franchise brands kind of figure out who their ideal prospect was for their for their franchise, right? As like a franchisee. Right. And we were looking at things other than just finances, right? So what stage of growth were they in? What, what are some of their core values that aligned with the brand? And one of the common things that would come up was, you know, our clients, both on the consultant or the franchisor side, um, they would talk about like lead quality, lead generation and, and mm-hmm. what they were currently doing and why, you know, how could it be better? And um, at the time, I didn't really like understand a whole lot about it. Yeah. But a couple years later, um, C-squared, so my now VP, reached out to me um, on LinkedIn and was like, hey, you know, we're C-squared. And they were local. At the time, I was living in San Diego and their office, our office is in Carlsbad. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of gave me this high level of what they do about targeted lead generation. And I was connecting kind of all the thoughts and conversations I had with my other clients. And I was like, why wouldn't you do paid targeted ads, you know, to attract these prospects for, um, these large investments that, you know, in the franchise side, that's what we're looking to, to accomplish. And so, um, I went and had a meeting with them and, you know, Cody and I were both trying to sell each other on our services, right? Like, I'm like, well, your client should be using our profile. And he wanted like my clients to use our advertising. Um, and so long story short, eventually, you know, I think we ended up being like a year and a half later, I came on board, um, with C squared and I've been here like going on five years now. So, um, you know, I'd taken some marketing classes in college and all those good things, but we really just take the approach of, you know, franchising requires a really specific candidate with those financial investment levels and different geographic regions. And so we try to be the partner that helps, um, make those campaigns more successful, right? It's not an easy thing to find somebody that has the liquid capital to invest in a business, but we use all the tools we can to uh, be the best partner for our clients. And I think that's the key point here is that, you know, in other businesses in sales, you know, someone's going out to go to McDonald's and get a burger. That's a, that's a lead. That's pretty, I mean, they're all out there, right? Right. If you own a restaurant, you're going to get a lead to walk in and buy your food pretty much anytime. Right. As long as your Yelp reviews are doing okay. Right. But when it's a, <laughs> when you're trying to sell a franchise, you know, that could cost a million dollars, right. Or mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a different kind of lead. It's a different kind of decision. And it's, 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 it's impacting their life. Right. right. So, so yeah. it's a lot harder. It's harder to sell that person. And it's also harder to get them to, to feel like they can trust you. Right. Right. And I use that example, Ryan, a lot about like the burger, right? It's like, we're not trying to find somebody to buy a burger. Almost anybody between the ages of 16 and 60 will do that as long as it's, you know, 
not within a dietary restriction kind of thing. Um, but when you're talking about selling the burger concept, it's such a different approach. I mean, it's like you said, I mean, it's changing their lives. They may be like, I don't know, refinancing a home, pausing, you know, making their kids college deposits, you know, like to pay for that. So it is a much bigger decision and it's not something that's oftentimes made quickly unless that candidate has already been researching your brand independently of this ad that they suddenly saw and had a chat with, you know, a development person. Like it's, it's typically a much bigger um, and longer process for good reason. You know, it's not, it's not like, Hey, I'm opening, (laughs) I'm going to spend a million dollars today. There's not a lot of people that are able to just make that decision that quickly. Yeah. So when you talk about like approach, like I know a lot of franchise consultants and franchise companies and franchise brokers that are out there generating these leads. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, let's look at the person that's a franchise consultant where they have 500 or 300 brands they're working with. Um, it's, I mean, any sales job is, is, can be a grind. It can be difficult, but, but this is an even bigger mountain to climb because you're literally trying to find maybe that one lead out of 200. Yeah. The conversion rate's not great. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's not. Yeah. So what's, what do you recommend as the approach or plan for people that are, you know, facing this, um, that get into the franchise world and they want to be a franchise consultant and they look at the fact that, you know, the commissions are good and the money's good and you can really help people and all of that. But how do you start, especially as someone, you know, new to it? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question because we do work on the consultant side and, you know, on the Zor side, the franchise or side. And I always, when I'm speaking with consultants, you know, have that very candid conversation that they're really in a unique role, a franchise consultant, you know, the world of franchising on its own, if you're not from it is kind of mysterious enough. Like nobody, people oftentimes don't understand that a franchisee is literally your neighbor that, you know, bought the national brand and brought it to your neighborhood. Um, and so then you get into what's a franchise consultant. And that's, I had no idea they even existed until, you know, I started working at Zoracle. And so not only is a franchise consultant educating the prospect on who they are and what they do, then, like you said, oftentimes, depending on their membership affiliation, there are hundreds of brands that they could direct this candidate to. And and that direction is certainly based off of the candidate's finances and where they live and what they're interested in. Um, But, you know, consultants do have an interesting challenge that is different from a brand because of that kind of open-endedness. So some of the things, some of the recommendations that we have from a marketing perspective is that oftentimes you want to promote things like verticals. So, you know, calling out like the fitness franchise opportunity isn't just, you know, a gym, but there's also the equipment specialist and there's all these other things that you can do because very rarely, and especially if you're running like a national marketing campaign, is someone going to know like who Aubrey Codier is from, you know, let's say C squared franchise brokers, right? Like that isn't necessarily impactful enough on its own to start a conversation with somebody. It can be, some of these consultants really do have big followings. They've written books, you know, they've been in it for a really long time. That may have enough credibility, but oftentimes, you know, again, in when you're introducing this idea to these people that, you know, have probably never met you and there's all these different things going on. I, I tend to recommend focusing on 
verticals just to introduce the idea of hey there are all these ownership opportunities and let me guide you through that conversation instead of being like hi i'm aubrey you know it's just it's kind of a like maybe do that locally if you if you had some you know credibility in the local market but it's very hard to kind of achieve those same results on a national level leading with yourself as a person right and i like what is your opinion on i mean we know that sales is it's emotional, right? Especially when oh, yeah. you're when you're buying, if you're going to decide to buy a franchise, right? You're going to sit down and it's an emotional decision. It's a life-changing decision. So you're going to talk to your, you know, your significant other, your family, your kids, if you have to, like, this is what was going to happen. Um, what are your thoughts on selling, first of all, not just the vertical, but the dream, right? The plan, the entrepreneurial journey, like right. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's an effective strategy for that? Yeah, I think it definitely is. I mean, it's it's kind of like a time and place. Like I, I, whether it's on the consultant side or the Zor side, we tend to kind of see patterns in people's decision making, right? So, like the end of the year, it's like people have spent time with their family and they realize that their corporate life is really not that great, and they're craving the ability for flexibility to be with their family. You know, we see like during seasonal periods, we tend to see bigger responses in campaigns that kind of speak to that, right? Because it's pulling, like you said, pulling on that emotion of what they've just gone through. Um, I think it's very easy to kind of rinse and repeat words about like, be your own boss, or, you know, are you ready to be an entrepreneur? I think that's one of the missteps that's made sometimes is where it is a little too repetitive on that. That's certainly something that's going to draw somebody in. But I think one of the things that we could all work on as being more unique about the position around why, besides just like be your own boss, that's certainly a call out. Right. But, but what else is there? Right. There's a bigger story. Um, and I think that's something to be, to be conscious of too, you know? Yeah. Do you think, I mean, also I look at passion, right? Like if you're, if you're passionate about, I don't know, Work, working with your hands or working on homes or whatever, if you have a passion for that, do you feel like as a consultant, you should talk about how you have this passion and it fits this particular brand? I think it could be a good fit. Do you think that the the, the side of looking at their passion is, is an, another a good yeah. strategy. I mean, I think that definitely helps like uh, build a bridge, right? From like what they're currently doing to what they could be doing. And this may be me being like a little too technical about this, but you know, as a franchisee, like yes, you become your own boss, but are you like working in the business or on the business, right? So in right. some cases you're an owner operator, right? And I think this is what the consultants ultimately get into with their prospects is like do you like if, if you like working with your hands are you going to buy you know a service based brand that then you're also kind of functioning as an employee or are you looking at this as i want to be the owner and kind of manager of this that is then recruiting this you know the employees to do the work and even though i'm passionate about it i'm not physically going to do it but being involved in that arena still kind of fills my bucket right, right so right. in some cases franchisees are buying businesses to be owner operators and in some cases they're buying them more to be kind of you know the executive overseer of of what's happening but it's something that they're interested in so it makes that ownership more exciting because um, there are a couple of routes that you can go with in ownership too that i would imagine a consultant's kind of talking their prospects through 
Yeah, because I think you can, I mean, you can love, I mean, you can love to be a cook and you can love cooking at home, but then running a restaurant, it's a whole different, right? You know, whole different ball game, right? <laughs> Did you go to Cordon Bleu? Are you actually, you know, <laughs> ready yeah. to do that? So there are, I think, you know, some things that, that we need to be aware of, but like going back to when I started in franchising and being at Zoracle, those were some of the things we looked at, right? Like our you know, in senior care, oftentimes these people are a little more philanthropic and they want to make a difference. And so maybe they've, you know, experienced the need for senior care in their own family and they they realize right. how important that is. And now they want to be able to facilitate that in their community. Right. So yeah. there's typically some type of thread that's pulling people into like an owner operator scenario, whereas other people may be just looking at it more from like a PL and you know, what are the metrics here and how can I scale this? Right. So I think yeah. there are definitely different buyers and different motivations. So, like from a let's look at a technical standpoint with everything, because we have, I mean, consultants have so many tools out there. I mean, in terms yeah. of technology, they've got LinkedIn, they got the various social media sites, they've got their own website they can build, um, networking online, going to webinars, doing webinars, whatever they do. Um how, I mean, there's, there's so much clutter out there, I guess. Right. So what do you, what do you suggest as a focus in terms of technology? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think everybody is going to kind of find what their media mix is, right? I think there's definitely a need for an omni-channel approach where you're doing different things. Yeah. I think one of the biggest like no-nos that I see that, and sometimes it's easier to pick the don't do thing than the do do thing, but like when... <laughs> People will share in theory, what is their competition's post, right? They'll just like reach, like hit share on their LinkedIn. And so yeah. maybe it's a consultant from the same organization. So in theory, it's the same message that they're sharing. But to me, it's like, who's the thought leader? The thought leader is the person that originally made the post, not the person that shared the post. Right. And so I think that like, that's something that I see people doing that. I mean, I, I personally don't like. And maybe that's unfair. Maybe that's an unfair bias. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think, you know, like you said, there's a lot of noise. And so education is always going to be a primary um, tool for making sales in a way that doesn't feel salesy. So if you are able to promote certain components in that way, I think a paid media campaign is always important because there's a lot of like misunderstanding about how marketing works, right? Just because you post something doesn't mean people see it. You need to understand who it is that you're actually trying to get in front of and then run a paid targeted campaign to get there. The yep. organic reach that people have is oftentimes not as large as they think it is, right? So they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I posted it to my list of 5,000 people, but 1% of people saw it. And of those 1%, are they even qualified? You know, you have to kind of reverse engineer what the goal is and, and the steps you're willing to take to get there. And again, yep. these are big investments. So the cost per conversion, cost per acquisition is not going to be $5. You know, you have to be willing to invest in the value of what you're going to get in return. Right. Right. I mean, it makes sense to pay more for, like, I would rather have a list of 50 qualified, well, I should say as qualified as they can be leads and pay something, pay something decent for that than pay a cheap amount for uh, a generic list of 2000 people. Right. I mean, right. you have to gauge what you're spending and what the investment is and whether or not it's going to be a viable return. Right. Well, and also with that, even with that analogy, you have to think about what that, where that action that you're doing, whether it's buying the list or sending out a cold email, what the result of that, where that nets you in like the classic, you know, marketing funnel to think of. So if you yeah. buy a list of, you know, 
2000 executives and you start cold calling them and they've never thought as far as you know about buying a business. And then you're pitching them all of a sudden on, you know, Hey, do you want to leave corporate? Here are these great ownership opportunities. Sure. You might spark some interest at the very top of that funnel. And that's going to take time to move them through because you just, you know, let's just call it interrupted. Like you've, you've positioned yourself into their sphere of thought that maybe they didn't have before. So it's unlikely that that person is going to immediately buy, but they may eventually with those educational pieces and staying in touch and being, you know, um, like a mentor through that process versus somebody that, you know, maybe was a referral or you've been marketing consistently and you've seen based on metrics that they're engaging and opening and reading and reaching out and asking questions. That person's probably farther down the funnel. So you know, those top of funnel activities are oftentimes cheaper, but yep. they take longer to get the results. So that's why having like, again, that omni or multi-channel or even understanding like what it means when somebody's at some point in that funnel and how many of those you need to meet the result, like being aware of all those things as a business owner, regardless of being a consultant or owning, you know, a boutique <laughs> that's doing an email marketing campaign all of those things have to be going continuously. It's not just like a, a one-time shot of buying a list that, you know, is going to sustain you through a year of closes. That's, that's pretty unlikely. And I think also it's about having a consistent everyday strategic approach to contacting leads and following up. And like with what we have, it's, it's a constant, they're on an action plan, right? They're always getting right. something. And it's not to the point where it's annoying. We're not texting people every single day, every five minutes. That would be too much, right? But we're oh, absolutely. <laughs> but we're doing it at a consistent level where, you know, they're getting something, we're top of mind and they're reminded of us or we're reminded of that brand or whatever it is consistently. So, you know, whether it's 90 days from now or six months from now, they're saying, oh, you know what? something happened and I'm ready to, I'm seriously ready to look at this. I'm ready to talk to this person. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of consultants problem problem is they lack consistency. They don't have a strong follow-up and um, they don't realize that a lot of these people they've talked to maybe a year ago could actually change their minds now. And they may be on a different path (laughs) and because they don't have a tool in place or a system in place to consistently do that follow-up. Yeah. And track Mm -hmm. it they kind of just, those leads kind of, like I say, they sit on the shelf when they collect us because nobody's doing anything with them. Um, right. So we had a lady just on our end that, that shot out a campaign to a bunch of, she called them dead leads. They were just people that hasn't, haven't been t- talked to in a while. And, and she closed a deal from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people just, I don't know if it's a mindset thing or they just tend to give up. Um, I think the best salespeople just they look at everything as an opportunity, even the ones that tell them no right now. Right. Um, they they just kind of give up and go, okay, well, I guess I'm on to the next thing. And they kind of forget mm-hmm. that they they need to work their whole database effectively, past and present. Um, and also, you know, I mean, if somebody tells you don't ever talk to me again, that's one thing. Right? Yeah, that's one thing. <laughs> but, but if they tell you I'm not interested right now, but you can keep in touch or I don't know, maybe in six months, a year, five years, whatever it is. Right why, why, why stop interacting with that person? You know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, I mean, you bring up a super solid point, right? Like I tell all my clients it's to me, it's the three C's it's communication, collaboration, and consistency. And those things need to be practiced ongoing and regularly. Um, to your point about like dead leads, right. I, I always ask my clients like, Hey, do you have 
maybe like in your CRM, some dead leads from like the last two years, right? Um, because we can build those into a custom audience that get targeted differently than your new people that you're reaching out to for the first time, right? Because right. if they expressed interest, but maybe they stayed at their job, but maybe now they're sick of their job. So let's, yep. let's advertise to them differently. And, and because life is busy and chaotic, maybe they, you know, all the emails you sent them a year ago are not top of mind, but you can reignite that conversation with, yeah, a strategic email campaign, some educational pieces, a quick phone call to say, Hey, see how things are going. Like I have leads from, so like I said, I've been in C-square for like five years. Um, yeah. I have leads that didn't close, you know, two years ago that have reached out to me. I've had leads that worked with us and then came back. I mean, there's so much value in maintaining and building relationships when you, when you are in a sales role. And especially like in the case of consultants or franchise development people, I mean, these are high ticket sales. Like yeah. there's value in, in all of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I, use it. I agree completely. And, you know, if, if you look at the world, and how volatile it's been in the last, you know, 24 months mm -hmm. between COVID and, and the way that has changed employment and the amount of people that are unfortunately, you know, out of work, still trying to work or just not working, you know, and how can you use that? You know, how can you use that to your advantage as a franchise consultant? I think there's a lot of opportunity out there that people look at it as, oh, it's never going to work. You know, I can't, I can't sell to these people, but there's, there's, there's business, there's opportunities everywhere for everybody. Yeah. Um, you just have to, like you said, have a consistent plan to get with these people. And you, you know, just because you talked to someone six months ago, doesn't mean that their life hasn't changed. I mean, everybody's life changes all the time. So, right. Yeah. You know, and you there's like so many programs for people to take advantage of too, from like financing and all these different things. Right. So, um, yeah, a no today is certainly not a no tomorrow and absolutely right. not a no in a year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, you can't call everyone all the time, but if you're using tools and systems that can kind of automate some things, but still keep it personal. And then even doubling back on that automation just to make the phone call, like that's a big thing. Like phone call, <laughs> phone calls are very, very valuable, right? Yeah. Like it's, um, I think everyone's so used to email and text now, which all still play a part, but like picking up the phone, I think is sometimes underutilized <laughs> in 20. Yeah. What year are we in? 2022? I, I don't Going know. into 2020. Yeah. Very, very soon we'll be in 2022. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. I think, you know, I think it shows effort. I mean, as funny as it sounds, like it takes effort now for people to pick up the phone. Like, you know, 40 years ago, it was like, you just pick up the phone and call somebody. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's still effective now, even if it's just a family member. Right. I mean, Right. It takes effort to pick up the phone and call somebody when everybody's just texting. So it says something about you as a professional to say, Hey, I actually want to speak to you on a human level and not just stare at the words you're sending me on my phone, you know? Right. And so, probably a copy paste that potentially has gone out to 15 other people, you know, like yeah. we all know how technology works, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you, you know, when it's being used against you, or I tell my clients all the time, like even with, you know, paid media, it's creepy, but it's, Definitely. I mean, creepy in like the data and things that we can use to, you know, build out campaigns, but everybody's doing it. So you can use it for your benefit or you can have it be used to you or on you, but yeah. it's, you know, it's just kind of how things are done now. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think anything will ever replace human 
interaction and, and just no. having having that conversation with a real human being. I mean, what when we call someone for customer service, everybody wants to talk to a real human being. Everybody can't right. stand to talk to a robot. Oh, right? it's like the most annoying thing so, ever. <laughs> um, it's like, I just want to get this question answered and I don't want to have to listen to five prompts to get there. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, and even like on a professional level, like I know you were just at some conventions. I was just at some conventions yeah. too, but we all crave that at some level, you know, just kind right. of that, that human component. Right. Um, we've all been virtual for a very long time. So when you're able to get in front of people, even if it's just peers to collaborate, um, it feels good. You know, you don't always want to do a zoom meeting. You don't always, you know, it's like, how can you make it more, um, more real, I guess. Yeah. And I think going back to the point of franchise consultants, I mean, people remember, I think how you make them feel right. So if you Mm -hmm. really build a relationship with your database and not necessarily, I'm saying, don't, don't go out and sell them. I'm saying, just make a connection make a, make a connection, get to know them. Like, Hey, how's your family? How are your kids? How's this? How's that? You know, show them that you actually care about their life. Um, that can evolve into an opportunity if you build it. So, Mm -hmm. um, and you can use technology for that too. And of course, texting and all of that, but I think that's also a major component. So, um, I do want to kind of wrap this up, but I want to talk about C squared and what you're doing with them and how they can be of value to people too. So can you talk about specifically what, what you can do with your clients or how you can help your clients yeah. provide, provide some value for them? Always happy to talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah C squared is uh, we're a full service digital marketing agency, right? So it's kind of unique in that like when I started a few years back, I was employee number seven, we're at 70 employees now. Um, wow. We have two offices. Yeah. It's been pretty super super cool (laughs) actually to be a part of that growth. And the reason though, our team is so big is because we do everything in house. We're not a outsourcing agency. So from, we have a web development team, we have a paid ads team, we have a copywriting Mm -hmm. team, um, we have a graphic design team. And so that allows us to really support clients on either like a full spectrum campaign where, you know, we're running connected TV and then we're remarketing on their social campaign. And then we have a Google display keyboard campaign running too. Um, it allows us to create really robust campaigns or it allows us to be linear. And I think like, you know, kind of with how I've been saying, looking at an omni channel, I definitely prefer like a multi-staged approach because, you know, not everybody at top of funnels buying, there's people you need to engage with at all components, but right. you know, we're, we're here to help. And so, um, our kind of niche typically though, is in franchising. Um, we work a lot in mortgage and we work a lot in recruiting, like employee recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. it's a super big need right now. And there's a lot of interesting rules when you're dealing with either like home, you know, home and finance things or any type of recruiting in their special ads categories. So yep. you have to treat them a little bit differently. Um, so those tend to be our areas of expertise, but you know, we're full scale, so it can be an organic content thing, um, you know, brand development all the way up to lead generation and sales. So it's kind of cool because every client does get that hub of like a strategist and a copywriter and an account manager that are all, you know, working towards a client's goal. That's great. Do you have any, like, um, I mean, of course you can keep the client's information confidential, but do you have any success stories of any, anybody you've worked with that you could talk about? Yeah. I mean, on one of the cool things, so on the franchising side, right, we do a lot of franchise development, which 
is, you know, a kind of a consultant activity or again, a franchise or activity. But um, with it being a special ads category, there's constantly challenges with targeting and how you kind of are able to navigate that. You have to be careful of your copywriting. You have to be careful of your targeting. Um, and so C-squared really took the approach of how do we improve this for our clients? Because we are a digital agency. Um, so we started working with a lot of third-party data to improve how we target because the native targeting in the platform for, you know, friend dev or employee recruiting is just, it's not enough, right? It's, it's really stripped down. So, um, like as an example, in this last quarter, we had a couple of clients close, uh, multi-location deals specifically because of the third party data correlation. Um, like our Canadian partners, one of our Canadian partners has like a cost per deal of $900, like it, and it's a $500,000 investment. Mm -hmm. So we've really found that, you know, the utilization of solid data and then, you know, also a solid sales process on the back end when those two things are married together, um, you really start to see some amazing results. Um, of course, that doesn't mean that every client is closing every lead <laughs> that comes in. It's right. still marketing. Yeah. Um, but by using data, using optimization and in, in working closely with our clients, we're a lot, we're able to see really good results. Well, thank you, Aubrey. This thank is you. Aubrey Codier with C Squared Social <laughs> in Boise, Idaho. Yes. Uh, how are the potatoes out there? Are they good? Um, you know what? I love potatoes. So yeah. I will say the potatoes here have been exceptional. Um, but I, I've always been a fan. So okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> the beef is really random... good too, you know. So if you're what did you say? The... Have a steak. Oh, the beef. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. I hear Boise is a pretty, pretty hopping town. A lot, of, a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, it's starting yeah. to to explore. I mean, I've only been here for six months, but it's definitely yeah. <laughs> pumping. Good. So you'll have to come up, Ryan. Yeah, one of these days we got to plan a something, a webinar, networking group, something. So yeah. Um, cool. Well. Aubrey, it's been great talking to you. Uh, if anybody has questions, what's the best way to reach you through LinkedIn or your email? Or Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn, I'm pretty active there. Email is Aubrey, you know, A-U-B-R-E-E -E at cspreadsocial.com. Um, pretty much live on my email. Um, so that's always a good way <laughs> to get a hold of me too. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Let's keep in touch, keep working together. And if anybody has any questions, please reach out to Aubrey. She is a wealth of knowledge. Um, Thanks again and have a great rest of your week, okay? Thank you. You too. Bye, everybody. Right. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're interested in becoming an episode sponsor, please email me at livingryan at gmail.com. And thank you so much.